0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. We've got a great speaker today, hope you enjoy. Good, enjoying the holidays? Yeah. Woo! Good, and the sunshine too. Who's inspired by that video? It's a great video. I did some training down in London and we had to start our week by setting a test on gas, which we genuinely failed, to be honest, even though we're all experienced gas engineers. And then at the end of the week, they retested us on the same test to see how much we'd improved. If we had time, we could have showed that to the and say, who's more inspired because we're going to read from the Word of God today. Um, as you can see, the title is, We Ain't Wrestling With No Alligators. A great um, quote from Muhammad Ali when he was trying to wind up his opponent, George Foreman. There you go. I done wrestled with an alligator and he used that to put fear in his opponent and to um, give him probably a a, a pre-fight advantage Um, and I guess it worked. There's some great videos if you watch that. I've got the music with them and it's very inspiring and very frightening. I'm glad I wasn't in the ring with Muhammad Ali. So um, this uh, sermon kind of goes down the spiritual warfare and the battles that we face in life and the temptation preparing for this was to kind of water it down and withdraw some stuff from it. Um, Just curious and cautious of how it would be accepted, I guess, Uh, but then I started to think about our nation who probably identifies as being more atheistic than religious or Christian. Um, but then you look at what people get up to, like the stuff that people get involved in, such as like yoga, um, other stuff, um, paganism. I've been working on building sites over the past lately, and people now practice paganism. Um, people read their star signs, their horoscopes. Um, people love to watch the programs on TV that where they try and capture. a a ghost or a spirit moving and they put themselves into old haunted buildings and they search and seek and communicate. So it's pretty clear to see that our nation is very in fact in touch with the supernatural and spiritual world and there's a hunger throughout people to probably experience that and taste it. So it kind of gives me confidence just to go for it this morning Um, and we're going to read from Mark 9. And there's a a wealth of um, pointers in the story that we're going to read from. So it's a fairly long um, story, so I'll just read it quickly, and then we'll take some pointers um, from it. So Mark 9:14 to 29. So Jesus, Peter, and John have just been up the mountain. They've came down. They've experienced some great heavenly things up there, and they've come into this chaos. So. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replied, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my belief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed and violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciple asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. So it's a great story, a great um, event that took place. It's also in the other Gospels, but Mark details it quite thoroughly. And I want to pick some of those details out and then try and relate them to life for us just now in 2017. So, first of all, you've got John. Peter and Jesus have just returned from the mountain where the transfiguration took place. God spoke audibly. The heavenly light shone. You could imagine being there. It must have been pretty incredible. Peter was like, oh my goodness, we must build you some shrines. This is so overwhelming. He didn't know what to say, apparently. And then they trek down the mountain and then they walk into this total chaos. Must have been the most bizarre transition for these guys. So, you've got, people arguing, you've got religious leaders probably winding and mocking the uh, disciples for their inability to drive out this demon and you've probably got a really big confused crowd because they've seen miracles being done before, they've seen Jesus driving out these demons and people being uh, healed from deaf ears and their eyes opened and these disciples are with them but all of a sudden they can't seem to do it. So they must have been really confused. And for the disciples' point of view, they had just previously before been sent out in twos by Jesus and they seen all this stuff happening. So they must have been on a high and then all of a sudden they come across this and they must have been on a low. So it must have been a real uh, tense atmosphere, I'm guessing, when I try and look into this story. The next thing that we point out is that when Jesus arrived, The people are overwhelmed by his presence. We also have a young boy who's possessed by a demon and the physical effects to the boy is that he's mute, he's deaf and he's often paralyzed as well as physically harmed. We see a desperate parent begging for his son to be healed and freed from the grip of this evil spirit and we see a man who's battling unbelief that as the parent. We see Jesus casting out the unclean spirit and then we see its true nature, its destructive nature, one last attempt to cause as much harm as it can to this boy before it's cast out by Jesus. And uh, uh, you could make a movie out of this, couldn't you? Why has nobody made a movie out of this? If there's any aspiring film producers, Mark 9 possibly, because I, I had a thought that if they could make a plane, a story about a plane, with snakes, snakes on a plane, hit the cinemas in the last two hours, surely they could make a trilogy out of this. Now, I've never seen snakes on a plane, but I imagine what it must be like. And so, at like, the front of the plane, everyone's sitting there watching their movies, and there's a shriek at the back of the plane, this lady, there's a snake on the plane! And then you've got Samuel L. Jackson, quick, let's get up there and get that snake. Come on, guys, let's go, one at a time, because it's just a small alleyway up the plane. So they trotted up with their plastic knives and they kill the snake. And the ca- captain goes, quick, there's a snake in the cockpit. Quick, let's go, oh my goodness, the jury-free is there, we can't go anywhere. Let's climb over the seats and kill this snake. Now, Is that the movie? (laughs) I don't know how you would make a movie about snakes on a plane, hit the movies and hit the cinemas and my goodness, somebody please, a trilogy on Mark 9, take my money, I'll take the premier seats, I'll buy the 3D glasses and I'll buy all your popcorn and expensive chocolates as well, Mark 9, what a great movie this would make. So of all those details that I've just mentioned that took place in Mark 9, there's one really specific verse that hits me between the eyes and it has done for the last 12 months and it's like a little voice in my head always reminds me of this verse and it makes me analyze and uh, try and get me back in the zone with my faith and it's verse 19. When Jesus said, you unbelieving generation, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Some of the other gospels say that he actually takes it a step further. And he says, you unbelieved crooked generation. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I read that as like a rebuke, almost like an insult. And like Jesus is pretty mad at these people. He's trained them up. He's given them the tools that they need and yet he comes back, he's left them for just one day. He comes back and he finds that they in fact cannot drive out this demon. His response, you unbelieving generation, Could kind of imagine the disciples standing with their tails between their legs like a little boy being rebuked by the master. But, in fact, Jesus is not angry at them. That, when we read that, maybe it's our dumb film in the way, but we think, oh, he must be furious, he must be mad. But Jesus, in fact, is none of those. He's frustrated with his disciples. He's a little bit frustrated. And he says it not to condemn them and to make them feel useless, but in fact to inspire them, to try and drive them on. Come on, guys, you can do better than this. I've been training you, I've given you the tools. Come on, I know you can do it. So he's inspiring them in a probably roundabout way if you get what I mean. So at the same time as being frustrated and trying to lift them, I guess from Jesus' point of view, what he's seen is just turmoil. He's seen evil wreck this family. He's seen a boy being physically affected and it must break his heart to think that this goes on all over the world. And he needs people to rise up and start believing with a bit of faith. So I guess that's why Jesus, the the core of his frustration is that that boy is suffering. So the whole event, if you would maybe agree, captures quite dramatically evil and quite dramatically captures the, the good. So you've got good and evil in a battle. You've got guys just coming down where God spoke audibly. The disciples have seen it from themselves. We want to build a shrine straight down into this demonic chaos where a a young boy's life's been gripped, a family's uh, feeling hopelessness and helplessness. So the whole story captures that. But what is the battle? And Paul explains it in Ephesians when he says, Finally, So we're wrestling with the powers of this dark world. What is wrestling? I had a wee look into what wrestling is. It's, this is dictionary. It's a sport of hand-to-hand struggle between unarmed contestants who try to throw each other down. So wrestling is about getting somebody down. You could use the word submission. Wrestling is about Getting somebody to submit. So if you've ever watched the WW is it FWWF where they would submit oh, that's a lot of fake stuff I know, but wrestling, <laughs> just men in tights and bright coloured streamers on their steroids and <laughs> and it makes billions crazy. Anyway, so that's probably not the greatest example, but things like the MMA, which is like a martial art that's got quite a place probably above the boxing. Um, the whole point is to submit their opponent, is to tap them out, is to get them to a place where they feel that they are, cannot get out of this hold, that they are submitted, they tap out, they are defeated. So submission, what does submission mean, according to the dictionary? The condition of having submitted control by someone or something else. So the demonic physical effects of the boy can have the same effect on our spiritual life. The boy was unable to hear, his dad said, and I wonder today that the battle that we face, the wrestling with the alligators, or the dark powers of this world, did they get us to a place where we're unable to hear? We're unable to hear the truth, the truth that God is love, that he's real. And have our ears been closed to the gospel? Do we get to a point where we stop hearing from God? And we used to maybe be in a place where we'd hear from God, but are we now in a place where we don't hear anything, like God's not speaking? But maybe, maybe, just maybe the wrestling that's taking place in our lives, our spiritual lives, is that. We are being, we've had a place of submission where we are no longer able to hear. Uh, and it's fascinating, as well I find it fascinating, that the boy's dad, in the story, he the first thing he said when Jesus said, what's wrong with the boy? He says, there is a demonic spirit in my son. That's, that's his lyrics. He said, there's a spirit attacking my son. But then he actually goes on when it comes to faith and he says to Jesus help me believe (laughs) how can you know that there's a demonic presence attacking his son's health and then a few chapters verses down he's like help me believe I mean surely if you see that what the the enemy is doing if you can see this surely you would just believe you would take that for granted that there's a spiritual battle going on so I found it quite fascinating Um, and he begs Jesus help me with this unbelief The boy was unable to speak, and in our faith, I wonder, and I I suffer from this big time, are we unable to share the gospel through fear and through worry and through um, what people might think of us and how people might not be interested in hearing the gospel? And uh, the boy was also unable to see, and can we see what's behind our battles? And that's really where this talk hopefully helps you personally because the battle that was taking place had a huge effect on this boy's life and a huge effect on his family where they are at a state of hopelessness, helplessness and desperation and we know that Muhammad Ali said, I'll wrestle with an alligator. You'd have to be pretty mad to wrestle with an alligator, don't you think? You would think if you typed in wrestling with an alligator on youtube you would see zero videos no there are plenty of crazy people i've not got a video to show because they're very americanized and a bit dramatic and yeah so people <laughs> people do wrestle alligators it's mad so we see um, what's been taking place in a that we know that the devil works to kill, steal and destroy. We know that his intentions are to do as much damage as he can, but there's, uh, he's got a tactic and it's not to do it um, boldly and loudly, it's to do it subtly and discreetly. And so he looks to cause as much damage and destruction in our lives as he does the little boy in this story. And maybe in our marriage, when we get those thoughts that this isn't working and the, the temptation that people must go through, the thoughts of finding somebody else, moving on, you know, I know I made a covenant with God, but it's just not happening. Maybe we're not compatible. Maybe this is the wrong person. Do you know what's happening in that moment? You're not, in fact, wrestling with an alligator. You're wrestling with the dark demonic powers of this world that want to destroy your marriage. What about family? Trying to raise our kids, Christian, they don't want to hear it, they want to do their own thing. Maybe the battle was not flesh and blood after all, fighting with each other, arguing with each other, getting mad. What's behind it? That's the question that I get from this. It's not in fact the battle of flesh and blood, it's the battle of the dark, demonic powers of this world that want you and I to suffer and the devil wants to destroy. And what about our friends and family that haven't received the gospel, that won't accept the gospel, people whose ears and eyes are closed. The battle is not with flesh and blood, it's not a game of convincing. The battle is against the dark powers of this world. So wrestling with the alligators actually seems quite timid. If an alligator was in my home, I'd know I'd have to deal with it. I'd have to do something. I'd have to get Zara. (laughs) Come and deal with this, Zara. I'll be right behind you. (laughs) So it's obvious. It's there. It's green. It's big. It's snarls. It's got sharp teeth. But sometimes we forget the battle that's taken on spiritually in our lives. And we respond by handling it with um, our own strength we respond by dealing with it in the flesh that may be in this case of arguing and fighting uh, name calling I have a confession I uh, wrestled with the flesh and blood this morning I was annoying me so I threw a sock at her <laughs> I didn't even reach her it was like it <laughs> just fell down there it's like you get the point that's Christian anger for you But <laughs> wrestling of course want to come to church the devil doesn't want any of us to come here happy and cheery and uh, the, the demonic powers want us to come here as miserable, grumpy, fed up, fell out with the kids, fell out with our wife, husbands, whatever, as much as he can. And sometimes we have to stand back and analyze what's taking place here. Am I wrestling with flesh and blood? No, we're wrestling with the dark demonic powers. It's in the Bible. It's scriptural. It's in that story. Paul goes on in Ephesians and he tells us about it. This battle takes place. I don't think this battle stops. I don't think wrestling stops. The thing about wrestling is if you arm wrestle, I'm using one or two muscles, but when you wrestle with the full body, it's draining, it's tiring, it's physically tough, and that's what spiritual warfare is like. That's what battling against the dark powers is like it's draining it's it's hard working it's tiring but God's given us tools and weapons to overcome and um, so Satan's got this master plan to take each one of you and myself out of this game he's got a a master plan to deceive our nation to deceive the world as we see it's happening through other religions through um, what's happening now with uh, the the transgender kids and stuff and being made to make a decision you know you can't be a Christian now without being criticized but if you say you're a cat and you're from the moon whoa hey nice to meet you great to accept you but Christian sorry there is no place and that's what seems to be going on is the devil does his best to deceive as many people as possible and um, he wants to basically take us out of the game and I, if I could use a little illustration I've just started working for a a new company and we um, generally fix and repair boilers, but when I worked for myself I would just go in, switch the boiler off, cover off, get to business and job done. But we're not allowed to do that any longer, We um, we have to follow a very strict and tight procedure to ensure that I'm safe and to ensure that the customers in their home are safe. So we call it safe isolation. And what happens is we go in and we have a testing kit and we test at The house, first of all, is safe to work in by putting a plug socket in, flicking the button. If it proves there's an earth path for the electricity, fine, we move on. We take the cover off the boiler while it's turned off. And we do the same on the boiler to improve, ensure that it's got an earth path. We do about five tests with power on and power off. And the whole purpose of this test is to prove that that boiler is safely isolated you get your DIY guys who will connect boilers to light switches and it's happened and engineers have been killed so there's a huge um, importance on us now to follow these procedures but safe isolation that's what Satan and our enemy and our, wants us from us he wants to know that we are safely isolated and that he can go and do what he wants to do when it comes to deceiving our nation so safe isolation probably looks a little bit, I built this and I'm not so confident, there we go, probably looks a little bit like this, safe, safe isolation, Michael can you bring me a coat please, safe isolation, it's nice and comfortable here, the Bible calls it lukewarm, and another, um, another term for, or way to describe lukewarm is to be comfortable with the room temperature, You're comfortable with your surroundings and it's quite comfortable here everything's together your bills are covered and you've got a good job and you like your car your kids are all good this is quite good safe isolation so you've been here maybe for quite a while safe isolation everyone's has everyone got their own chair at home i used to have a tradesman and he would be like he called it the chair and every day i'd get home from work he'd just sit in the chair and he'd fall asleep and that would be him for an hour till his wife had worked over a hot stove uh, (laughs) and made his dinner and he'd get back up again so safe isolation maybe some of those things in that story are keeping us in this chair like maybe unbelief maybe we're a bit like the disciples we lack the faith to go out and do the work that Jesus required um maybe we've been on fire before and now we've got a little bit older and we've served our time I could sit in my chair just relax so this is safe isolation the devil wants us to be as comfortable as we can in life and step away from the battle and the wrestling that takes place see the problem with this chair and safe isolation and us being in that place as the battle rages on the other side. There is people who are heading to a place called hell. And as long as maybe we're okay, our, we're deaf. We've been, our ears have been closed and our eyes have been closed and our mouth's been closed. And we're just in this place of safe isolation that people are suffering and heading to hell. There's people whose families are broken. There's people who are desperate for something, some kind of hope. They're desperate to see this. I'll I'll kind of run out of words here, actually, but safe isolation, this is where the devil wants us to be. Once we've wrestled and we've got a bit fed up, and we get to that place called submission, this is probably where we would find ourselves. We've lost our fire, we've lost our hunger, and we're just so comfortable. We're comfortable with our schools allowing transgender people to come in and read stories, and that's happening before our eyes, and we are comfortable with the fact that um, our kids are being encouraged to uh, maybe uh, do what, be who you like to be. You don't have to be this and that. You can be whoever you want. And kids from the age of nine being encouraged to take medication to change our, for transgender sexuality and stuff. All this stuff takes place, and there is in fact no time for any Christian to sit comfortably in a chair but we are in fact called to be in a battle and so Jesus in, has given us some tools. The problem with that chair is I often find myself sitting in this chair, I get a little bit too comfortable. I just just, I just go through the motions really sometimes and get a bit kind of lethargic in faith and Um, I don't know if any of you guys can identify with that but when I'm there I need to remind myself that I probably allowed myself to get there because I've stopped wrestling and I've stopped fighting for what God's called us to stand up for and Jesus gave us in that scripture he mentioned three words that can help us in this battle When when your family seems to be going through fighting and uh, arguing and, uh, and there's problems with a work colleague. Maybe at school you're being bullied. What's the answer? It's not fighting flesh and blood. It's having faith. First and more f- uh, foremost. Faith and prayer and spiritual warfare. Jesus stepped in. How long must I be with you guys? Come on. When are you going to get this? There's a spiritual battle taking place and there's your tools. Faith prayer and spiritual warfare. And I just want to encourage us this morning, uh, maybe that we need a we lift out of the chair, back on our feet, like that video, get some inspiration, some fire back in our bellies, some hunger. And I want to ask if we can identify with the, the, those things, are our ears, eyes and mouth closed, like that little boy, that was the, that's the effect that that demon had in his life was that he was closed in all these areas. And as Christians, we can't afford to stop hearing from God. We can't afford to stop seeing the need. And we can't afford to stop sharing the gospel. Three things from that story. And those were the things that frustrated Jesus. So we know that we're wrestling evil. Maybe it's anxious thoughts. Maybe it's thoughts of negativity, anger towards ourselves. Maybe we're driven by fear, marriage troubles, Family troubles, depression, suicidal thoughts, self harming, financial difficulties, trouble with accepting yourself, thoughts of lust, temptations to leave and move on and start afresh somewhere else. That is wrestling with the dark demonic powers of this world. And the battle rages. And I just want to encourage you guys that if you're experiencing some of that this morning, the battle is not flesh and blood, it's not shouting and arguing with our partners. It's realizing that there's a greater battle taking place, that we are in fact wrestling. Sometimes maybe we don't remember from Paul saying that the importance for him to say that we are wrestling against dark demonic powers. We're wrestling against supernatural beings. We're wrestling against the, the heavenlies, if you like, And he's given us this encouragement to put on our armor of God. So maybe the band could just come back up. So I just want to encourage us this morning. Maybe it's time to get back in the fight. Maybe it's time to come out of your chair. See, Jesus, when he died for our sins, it wasn't to enter our religion. It wasn't so that we could sit in that chair and relax and know that we're okay and everything. Jesus died so that we could enter a relationship with him. And that relationship means that we make him Lord of our life. That relationship and that decision means that we give him first place. We become a disciple and a disciple is somebody who follows Jesus and follows his example. And right now, 2017, they say that this is probably the hardest time for kids to grow up. And I worry for my kids growing up. But I know that the gospel and I know that Jesus and I know that the kingdom of God is bigger than any battle that takes place. I know that God has great plans for each one of our lives. And that when we submit to, um, when we accept the gospel, in fact, we're given the Holy Spirit and we become fighters. And I want to encourage you guys to be fighters. The battle... If you wrestled with an alligator, you'd be wrestling with your physical strength, your muscles, your fibres. But the Christian's battle must take place on our knees, with our eyes closed, humbling ourselves before God and praying with everything we've got, praying for our neighbours, praying for the sick, praying for the needy, praying that people will receive and hear the gospel, that their eyes and their ears will be opened, praying for our children as they grow up, Praying for our church, praying for our leaders, praying for our government, praying that the light of heaven would shine in this dark world. So Jesus this morning, is he maybe taking your hands and lifting you from the chair? Have you sat in it for too long? Maybe you're a little bit like the man in the story. Even though the battle rages all around, he still admitted that he had unbelief. And this morning, through faith, God gives us that opportunity to step forward and say, Jesus. Help me with my unbelief. Help me see. Help me to hear. Help me to go forward and do what you need to be done. Why don't we stand up? You know, if you go on... And look, many people will say that we are in the end time, something that people get caught up about. And I heard it explained in such a fascinating way, using a basketball game, that when the basketball game gets to the end, when it's to the final minutes and seconds, the players statistically spend more time looking at the clock than playing the game. And that can be the problem when people look at the end times, they get so caught up in what's going on, they forget that we have a job to do, they forget that we have work to do. So my prayer is that we, as a church, step up from the chair and realize that our wrestling is not flesh and blood. In fact, we wrestle no alligators, but against the dark powers of this world And if you're here this morning, and you can identify with the dad, the man in the story, struggling with his unbelief, we have to have faith to believe. And faith is a gift from God. And I wanna encourage you this morning to step out in that faith and to ask Jesus to help. And we wanna give everyone an opportunity to meet Jesus. We wanna help everyone to know that God is a, is above everything. He's in control. He sits on the throne. And do you know what's so good about that? He never comes down from that throne. He's on it. That is the end result. God will remain on his throne right to the end. So this morning, why don't we close our eyes and pray? Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you are our number one, that you are in control, Father, that you died for our sins, Jesus. We thank you that through the cross we can be forgiven for everything father we thank you that through the cross we can receive the holy spirit father we thank you that with your holy spirit we can fight the good fight father and we can run the race to the very end father i pray this morning for anyone in here father that's struggling with their faith i pray for anyone who's never come to know you jesus this morning would be a moment where your holy spirit speaks to them that their, our eyes and our ears are open father father we ask that you forgive us for our sins father we ask that you forgive us for all the days that we've sat in our chairs where we've allowed ourselves to be submitted father to be overpowered to be taken out of the game and to be in a place of comfort father father we ask that you would lead us and guide us and that you would be our inspiration every day that when we try to speak the gospel and those thoughts come in our heads that the person won't want to listen the person isn't interested what will people make of us father i pray that we would realize that we are in fact in that very moment wrestling with the dark powers of this world and i pray with your holy spirit father that you would give us the strength and the courage to fight those battles father you'd give us the inspiration you would give us the motivation father to push through and to be the ones who take control father to be the ones who in fact overpower and I pray you would give us and you would help us to rise up individually and as a church father, as a gospel speaking soul winning city and Dunfermline, father, this is our prayer, we thank you for everything in Jesus name, Amen.